Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff, and today I have with us a really special guest. He's an Emmy and Grammy-nominated television, film, record producer, podcast host, and talent manager. He's helped launch the career of many of our favorite comedians, including Dave Chappelle, Tracy Morgan, Wanda Sykes, Dane Cook, and many others. He also produced Emmy-nominated series, Last Comic Standing. Help me welcome Barry Katz, everyone. How you doing, Barry? All right. I made the cut. <laughs> I am uh, super excited to have you on the show and, and super excited to have this conversation with you. Really quick, before I dive into it, I want to give a quick shout out to the listeners. Thank you, everybody who's listening and continuing to support the same show, liking, sharing, subscribing in all 60 plus countries around the world. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at the same underscore show. That's same S-A-N-E underscore show on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find us on Facebook, the same show again on Facebook. That's the same show. So today we're going to be talking about producing a television show, something that Barry, you're going to tell us a lot about (laughs) with your record. And then we're also going to talk about finding new talent. Following that, we're going to have an interview with you, Barry, so that the listeners can get more insight into you, what you do and all the fun things that go along with that. Awesome. (laughs) So let's go ahead and hop right into it. As far as producing a television show you know again something that you know very much about and when i was sitting down and i was planning this out and you know again just looking at all you've done I'm, my mind got going especially again me wanting to go that route I'm, and i'm just thinking like wow you know there's a lot that goes into the process and that obviously on the outside looking in like a lot of people don't really understand what goes into it especially when you talk about going from a concept to planning and pitching and honestly that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg at least when i think about it so if you could it's you know again give give us a little bit of insight into just a little bit of what that process looks like when it comes to producing a television show well i think the best way to do it is let's take you let's take something that's near and dear to your heart and let's share an idea that you have with your audience and anything that's on your mind and i'll tell you how to get to the promised land i imagine that i don't want to say it's hard i would say it can be a lot because i'm just thinking again you you have your idea you got to put it on paper you got to assemble a team see this and... is see this is where i love these conversations <laughs> because I think it should be noted mm-hmm. to your audience that I just asked our esteemed host, who I'm honored to be on this podcast with, I just asked him, just tell me an idea you have, and we'll <laughs> run through it. And okay. if you notice, what happened was, instead of saying, okay, I got this great idea, it's like around the same show, um, I'm the host, and it starts off this way, and then the guest comes in, 
And then in the middle, we do this segment and then the guest comes back again. And then we have another person come in and debate the person. And then we close the show. What our host does, like most other artists in the world do when you say, so tell me an idea. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's really tough. Um, you got to get the idea. You got to cultivate the idea. You got to figure out what you're doing. And, and so what happens is artists, they complicate winning instead of going the, you know, that old expression you hear in school or from your grandparents, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Artists are traditionally not straight line people. The line goes all over the place and it takes a lot of time to get to the destination that way. And so it's fascinating when I asked you that because that's something that I think I run into a lot. I don't even think. I know I run into a lot with <laughs> artists. You just ask them, okay, well, what's your... And then it's just... It goes around in a circle of how tough it is and how difficult it is and, mm-hmm. you know, what are my chances of that happening and what am I doing and why am I doing it? I'm not saying you said all those things. I think that's the thing that is the biggest holdback for any project is how you view the possibility. And most people view the possibility with little or no hope instead of viewing the possibility with hope. And I think the first thing to remember or about anything you're doing is that Everything you look at, everything you touch every day came about because of somebody's vision. Look at the people who produce paranormal activity, $15,000 investment in themselves, and one of the biggest movies of all time, uh, Blair Witch Project. Same thing, people betting on themselves. And there's many other situations like that. So your question is a great question. Like, how do you produce a show, a step-by-step or a project step-by-step? The thing I'm trying to impress the most is the most important thing, the most important step. And without it, it doesn't matter how many steps you have. If you don't have the mindset that everything is possible and that it's going to happen, then forget about it. I agree. One thing you made me think about or made me or reminded me is because it's like one of my mentors told me, he's like, it's not rocket science. We make things more difficult than they really are. And then that they have to be, especially when you said to get from one point to the other is a straight line. We think about everything that has to go into it and all and this, that the possibilities and the what ifs. And that's how we end up scrambling it all up and creating all this confusion and people getting overwhelmed and then everything you said it's like i'm just sitting here and i'm listening and i'm thinking i'm like wow look i i trained to be a manager and a film and tv producer that's what i trained for and was important all the work that i put in to do that to get to that point i started my podcast industry standard seven or eight years ago as a because I just felt that I you know as a manager you only help one person and I was going into these meetings with these network presidents and people in the business and 
I'd get in my car and I'd be like, I can't believe I was the only one that heard that. And I started my thing from nothing. No listeners, no show, no logo, no format, no recordings. And then I launched it and that day it was number three in the world in comedy. I don't know why. I don't know how. And from that point on, I was able to do something that was impactful to people who wanted to learn how to do things in the business. And I still love that fact that you can do that and you can give something back because you're going to experience hits and then you're going to experience hits, if you know what I mean. That's the interesting thing about our business. Think about that for a second. It ties in with possibility. I just said you're going to experience hits and you're going to experience hits. Same word, same letters. They mean exactly the opposite thing sometimes. You're going to have the album where you put it out and you have one hit on the album. And that's fantastic. But then you're going to take a hit on the other 11 songs you released because... They weren't hits, and people didn't like them. But guess what? It only takes one. It only takes one thing, and the rest is history. That's all it takes, if you think about it. In our business, that's what's so great about the entertainment business, that people don't relish in the joy of it. You can fail 99 out of 100 times and be one of the biggest stars in the world. The steps to producing anything are available anywhere. You can find anywhere. To me, that's not what's valuable. What's valuable is how you approach your personality, your mindset for those steps. That's the biggest thing. I could sit here and step by step oh this is how you produce well first thing you do you sit down and start (laughs) writing second thing you do look you can find that anywhere but what you can't find anywhere is your number one tool your mindset how you go about something what you're doing your host here had an idea for a podcast zero zero nothing Nothing, no equipment, no guests, no concept. He's probably working at some shitty job he didn't like, <laughs> you know, and and going forward and doing that. But he had an idea for something. And do you hear what he said at the beginning of this podcast? People are listening in 60 countries, 60 countries. Now, if I'm not mistaken, there's around 200 countries. So we can look at the glass any way we want to. Another person could look at the glass and say, well, he's only in 60 countries. I mean, he's only in a third of the countries. You know, he's failing. Or another person can say, he is in 60 fucking countries. Holy shit. Now... (laughs) He might have only one person in 60 countries, but he's got 60 countries. That's what it's all about. It's just the vision and and starting and moving forward and going. So just start 
and start putting the things in there and putting things out there because all you need is one and your life will change forever very true you're you're full of a lot of gems man I want to go into the the next topic as far as finding talent, you know, because I've been, again, you doing what you do. You've worked with a lot of people. You, you discovered a lot of people. Would you say that there's a there's been a culture shift in the industry, especially, you know, I'm looking around. I see on social media people talk about there's been a lack of talent and people are more focused on numbers so versus quantity versus quality. What are your thoughts around that? I think you're going to have to define that for me and your audience, what you just said. Define quality versus quantity. Do you explain what you mean by that? As far as numbers, you know, social media following and reach and, again, putting up those numbers that a lot so of people what, look So what you're, saying, what you're saying is people on social media are saying that those people have no talent. Essentially. Got or the mass majority or the or because even like in the music industry, they like to call it microwave music that it's not really about but not just to the music industry, but across all of entertainment that is a, is a more I mean, obviously, there are talented people in the business, but there's more people who are not so talented <laughs> in the industry than there are talented people, according to the masses or what I'm seeing on social media. Well, firstly, for somebody to get numbers on social media, they have to start, they have to post, they have to create some piece of content for people to watch. They have to start. And normally the people complaining about those people are the people who didn't start or if they started, their content didn't get the views and move people. Or there's the people out there like, what am I going to start for now? Everybody else has started. I mean, there's so many people out there. How am I going to make a dent? That's what people think all the time. But it's just miraculous how Dave Chappelle can put out a special in three days. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and 50 million people can watch it. Where did those 50 million people come from? If, if he hadn't put the special out, where are those 50 million views going? They're going other people. You know, George Lopez just put out a special on Netflix. The people that watched that, if that didn't come out, what would they have watched? Something else. And so, yes, there's videos where people are, there's a kid who's seven years old, who's a multimillionaire who opens presents. I get it. I get it. Yes, there are things where people make it and there's no talent and they make millions of dollars. Understood. But somebody made the effort to put it up, to give it a shot. Why should I shit on the person who opens presents? The one thing I will share with you, a lot of these social media artists who make it big, they figure out that formula. They unlock the key to that formula yep. without any formal training of anything. And they break through before they have their 10,000 hours. So their fans are satisfied, and the people who follow them are satisfied with what they're giving them. They like what they're giving them, but they haven't trained for a bigger show. And that's why you see so few 
social media stars become film and television stars because yeah. it's like different muscles. It's like doing the yeah. triathlon. Those people are amazing because they can swim, they can run, they can bike. But most people can't do all of those equally well. It's different muscles, different muscle groups. So, like, if I were to ask you right now, tell me the biggest social media star who started in social media, who's now a huge household name, film and television star. Uh, I would say the closest would be uh, DC Young Fly. And how many people in the world, if you were to go on the street and say... Do you know who DC Young Fly is? And this isn't a sh this isn't a diss on DC Young Fly. This goes to my point earlier in this show in this yeah. interview. How many people out of a hundred are going to know him randomly off the street? What, what would you say? I'm going to say twenty percent. Twenty. Twenty of hundred. Yeah. Right. So twenty. So that means if you look at it in the scheme of hundred percent, failure. But if you look at it from my examples earlier, he's a huge success. Right. But the point I'm trying to make is that he's not Denzel or he's not De Niro. He's yeah. not Pitt. He's not Streep. And because it's a different muscle and it, you really have to work hard at that other craft, you can be huge in your other craft and really make it big in social media more, much more easily than the person starting. Kevin Hart can accumulate 100 million followers much easier than the person just starting because he's already got his fame. Right. But if you reverse the trend, think about it. Think of how many huge stars are social media stars. We mentioned Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, Kevin Hart, Dane Cook, who I started managing. We started social media for artists. There was no social media for artists. We started that to where we could press a button and sell out Madison Square Garden. If you look at how it reverses, it, you can, it just, it's just evidence. You know, the, the evidence doesn't lie. The numbers don't lie. That's true. You can't name one social media star who started as a social media star who's a huge household name, film, or television star. You can't mention one. But I can mention hundreds who are film and television stars or comedians who have a ton of social media following. And to add to what you're saying, I'll even go to say that it's the same thing with podcasting because I always talk about how I look at my show and how I feel other podcasters may look at their show. And I always say that I look at it from an entertainment perspective. Again, like I told you, I've done different things in the business. So I look at it through a different lens and it's because you make a great point when you say it takes a different set of muscles to make it from social media to being a household name in film and television. So it's because it's a different game. There's a lot more to it is what I'm getting at versus just social media. Absolutely. You hit it. You hit it on the point. I mean, you hit it on the head with that one. I want to get to the interview and, you know, ask you a few questions so the listener can learn more so, about you. And it's so funny. You say you want to get to the interview and we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> the actual questions, is, <laughs> I'll, I'll say. 
So obviously, again, you've launched a lot of careers. What made you want to work with certain individuals? I think the biggest thing is just my instincts and my gut and my eye for what I believed was somebody was going to get to the next level. And for some reason, I know I can't quantify it in the court of law, but it's just I have premonitions about things and I have thoughts about certain artists and in the beginning and I, I know something's going to happen. I don't know how to tell your audience why I know, but I just know. It's a combination of charisma, star quality, command, confidence, talent, and the premonition that they're going to be able to convert opportunities that I create for them. Thanks for that. So what do you find most exciting about your career? I think the thing that's most exciting is I love working with young people. I love talking to people who are starting, who are in the process of getting to where they want to go. I love consulting with people and because you can't manage everybody. So I do a lot of paid consulting and I love really helping people get to the next level and avoid the mistakes that I've seen so many people make. I love it when somebody's dreams come true with what they want to do and it, it comes to fruition. I love creating new ways of doing business that nobody else is really doing that much of or hasn't done ever before. I think those are the things that I, I really, they excite me. I love like if there's an intern that works for me and they're from some school or wherever and, and they just want to be in the business. I love knowing that I can help them get in the business. And I have probably over 50 people working in the entertainment business in various positions from assistants all the way to presidents and CEOs of companies and network studio executives and producers that started with me, you know, as an intern or as an assistant. That's really exciting. It's also exciting to see so many artists that I had a chance to work with who are doing it and making it happen. And it's just humbling when you, because when you think to yourself, well, okay, I work with that. I work with Chappelle. Okay. He did really well. That's just, you know, lucky. I work with Tracy Morgan. He did really well. I work with Bill Burr. He became a huge star. Three times it can happen. And then you just go down the list. Wanda, Whitney Cummings, Nick Swartz. I've worked with so many different people. Daryl Hammond, Jim Brewer, Jay Moore, Melissa Villasenor on SNL, um, mm -hmm. Hassan Minaj, Ken Jung. I've, my path has touched so many people. Mike Epps, Louis Anderson. So I've been able to be involved with a lot of incredible people, many whom I've launched their careers. It's truly humbling. But again, that's the enjoyment I have is, is seeing somebody with a dollar and a dream living in a studio apartment, which yeah. is essentially, as Mario Vance would say, one room away from being homeless. And then just seeing it all come together. And that's exciting to me. Hey, you know, I, I got to say it's very respectable as well. And, you know, very 
very selfless of you as well. And, you know, just listening to that is just humbling for me. So I've got a lot of respect for you in, in doing what you do and doing what you can to help put others into whatever position that they want to be in. This is one, one question I really was looking forward to asking you. When did you realize, because of all, this, all the things that you've done and the, the, the name and the reputation that you've built for yourself, when did you realize that you solidify your position in the industry? I think that once you, for me, one, getting the first artist with their talent in mind on Saturday Night Live, that created a lot of noise. And that was Jay Moore. And then following that up with three other cast members in the next two years. And then having a guy host the show twice, Dane Cook, and working with Chappelle and having all those deals and movies. I think I felt, you know, the first person I had do things really well in the entertainment business was Anthony Clark, who was a comedian who your audience might know him from yesteryear. Uh, He was one of the leads in that. But I think, you know, he used to book stuff. I'd fly out and he'd be booking pilots and television things all the time. He was a guy who converted all the time. But I didn't feel like I really made my mark until people knew I got somebody on Saturday Night Live when I didn't deserve to get anybody on the show. You know, I'm like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And to have four clients on in three years, you know, as a young manager with a ponytail and cowboy boots, I think that that let me know that I wasn't going to go back. And then my last question, what are your thoughts on the industry, specifically comedy today? You know, comedy is subjective and it's interesting. You know, I was talking about George Lopez's special Mm -hmm. that I just watched, the new special. And I just think about, I just think about the special. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. (laughs) But there are certain things in the special that he does that if he were sitting across from me now, I might ask him like, okay, why did you do the bit about becoming old and peeing and thinking you're done peeing and then you're not really done? And... He might say to me, like what Jay Moore said, what did you write today, Barry? And so I'll look at a joke that he'll write and I'll be like, well, God, you know, you're you're George Lopez. You're fucking amazing. Why are you doing that one 30 second piece in this hour? And then he has this other joke where he says, you see these lifetime these lifers working at these Mexican restaurants, you know, these lifer Mexican waiters, 40 years, they're gutting it out, working hard. And they'll be this person. They'll just sit down, come into the restaurant for the first time. They'll say, can I help you? And the person will look at him and they'll be like, um, was the chicken in the burrito? Was it, was it humanely killed? I mean, Did they take the precautions to make sure that it was organic and humanely killed? And he does an impression of the Mexican waiter of 40 years. And he says, "Uh, yes, see, we we petted him until he died. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I just, just, that one line, we 
the visual of him <laughs> holding the, the, the chicken. We petted him until he died. Right, like yeah. I'm seeing it right now. <laughs> and and so what's the future of comedy? Well, the future of comedy is is that, first of all, every hour special is going to have lines in it that I don't necessarily understand. Chappelle has a tremendous special, I forget the name of it, somewhere in the middle he does the joke um you know i'm 44 years old um you ever go in your room as a guy and you're 44 it's like you're getting older sometimes i just you know, get out the oil and start jerking off and halfway through i say fuck it i'm just going to sleep <laughs> and you say to yourself well you know this is dave Chappelle." This is 846, Dave Chappelle. This is Sticks and Stones, which probably put him onto the mountain of Mount Rushmore next to Richard Pryor yeah. and George Carlin. But he's doing a masturbation joke about getting old and falling asleep. Why? Well, Barry, what did you write today? And when I asked him that, and I, I, I took him aside and asked him that, and he said, Barry, man... Sometimes I just do things for me. I said the same thing to Chris Rock after I saw him do uh, a rehearsal of a special. He asked me what I thought. I said, why are you doing seven minutes of Michael Jackson up front? I said, you're Chris Rock. Anybody can do Michael Jackson jokes. And he said, Barry, no one can do them the way I do them. I've paid my dues. I, no one's going to do funnier Michael Jackson jokes than me. I earned the right to do these jokes. And then he creates a special that he takes the tambourine and he <laughs> lakes it to relationships and life and how things yeah. are. Yeah, oh man, that was killer. <laughs> so it's like the one thing that remains about comedy is that extraordinary comedy will always garner attention. You could be a singer in Peoria, Illinois, and getting standing ovations every night, and you may never make it. But if you're a comedian doing comedy in a bathroom in the Virgin Islands, and it's extraordinary, you're going to be a huge star. There's a reason why Jim Jeffries' gun control bit has hundreds of millions of views. It's fucking incredible. There's a reason why Bert Kreischer's story of the machine has millions and millions of views. It's incredible. And it's all about the story. It's all about your audience, the audience listening today. It's all about your story. That's all it is. And if your story is compelling and blows people the fuck away, you will always win. People always say to me, oh, yeah, Barry, what about Rodney Dangerfield? What about him? One-liner guy. doesn't have stories. And I say to them, he's the, one of the greatest fucking storytellers in the world. In five seconds, he could tell a story. Oh, my parents didn't like me. My bath toys were a toaster and a hairdryer. Five seconds, you know that his parents hate him. He had a bad childhood. He was poor. They didn't have regular bath toys. They gave him bath toys with electric cords. They wanted them dead. Well, that's just one joke, Barry. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I went to the bar this afternoon. I said to the bartender, surprise me. He pulled out a picture of my wife. 
All right, we know that he's drinking during the day, so he's not very productive. He has an unhappy marriage because he's going to the bar to drink. We know his wife is cheating on him, and she's cheating on him with the bartender. So the story always wins. Even the seven-year-old kid who opens the presents, who we all say, what the fuck is going on with the world? How is that a millionaire? There's the story. Kid has nothing, sees something, unwraps it, the surprise of opening up and getting something from nothing and the look on his face and the reaction shot. The the thing about comedy that will always be relevant is if you have an extraordinary story that's original. I want your audience to do something if they get a chance. I want them to watch something that will blow them away, but they won't be laughing, gut-busting laughs, but it's fascinating. They should Google, I'll go on YouTube and look up Gary Goldman abbreviations of the states on Conan. It's just a five or six minute late night set, yet Gary Goldman goes on and the whole set is about the committee, a documentary that showed how the committee decided on the abbreviations of the states. Now, going to have to check the, that. Now, the one side of this routine that you're going to look at, and as Jay Moore says, is like is like literally looking, listening to a track of Abbey Road, is you're going to notice that the routine has no value in terms of like you know making a difference in the world like Jim Jeffries' gun control bid or Chappelle's 846. But Gary made an impact on the world with The Big Depression on HBO, the hour special where he talked about depression. So this particular set is just simply comedy gold. It's just recapping a story of how the states were abbreviated. Mm-hmm. But... Have you ever in your lifetime or anybody listening ever heard of anybody doing a routine on the abbreviations? No. Original, unique, brilliant story. And when you see how he crafts it, you'll see how he breaks a few rules, does things differently, doesn't care necessarily about the laughs all the time. Because anybody in comedy who figures it out, realizes that not so much about the laughs, mm-hmm. about the silences. It's about figuring out how to navigate the silence. And when you, when you figure out that, along with the laughs and the original material and the story, well, get ready to enter the promised land. And as a fan of comedy, that's when I came to really appreciate comedians like Jerry Seinfeld. Dave Chappelle and the many other comedy greats that because of the, the story that they tell and understanding that is not much so in the laughs, but it's also other things as well. Absolutely. You make you make a very great point because until I had this conversation with you, I really didn't understand or I was coming to figure out what makes the great comedian so great. 
and now that you say that, you again painting that picture and explaining it, and now I understand fully. <laughs> so thank you for that, and thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, you know, like I said, full of wisdom, so many gems. Definitely got a lot out of this, and I know the listeners will get a lot out of this as well. Definitely some noteworthy stuff in here. So you know, listeners definitely rewind and listen to some of the things a lot of the things that Barry has said because he's dropped a lot of gems and you know a lot of knowledge and wisdom as well along with that so you know again thank you Barry for taking time again out of your schedule to take and come on the same show no worries it's my my pleasure and if your audience wants to reach me you can reach me at Barry Katz at Twitter Instagram or if you want to leave me a message on my website or it's barrycats.com and check out industry standard and subscribe. It's 450 or 500 episodes of some of the greatest people in the entertainment business yep. talking about how to get to the next level and it's free. Yep, definitely check it out. I know I've listened to quite a few episodes, very insightful, a lot of knowledge, a lot of takeaways that can be taken away from that show. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, go check Go check out Barry Katz, Industry Standard. A lot of great content again. So, yeah, thank you again, Barry. Thank you, thank listeners. Thank you so much. It was an honor. It uh, really was. You're, you're great and uh, continued success to you. And uh, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That, that, that means a lot, uh, you know, coming from someone like yourself. But you're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out. 